Ciao a tutti! It has been so long since the last episode, but quite a few things happened in the meantime. We finished a year-long video recipe project. We entered the high season of cooking classes, which brought many, many trips to the markets, endless days in the kitchen and so much fun. And most importantly, we went to Paris for a long weekend. Can you imagine this was my first time there? Me, 30-something woman obsessed with food? I had no expectations, yet I fell head over heels for Paris. So now we're back, ready to channel all the inspiration and the energy and the good vibes. And we're back with the podcast, celebrating two months since we first launched it in February. In two months, more than 1,000 people listened to our chats about Italian and Tuscan food. This is heartwarming and so incredible. Thank you so much for all your lovely comments and feedbacks on our podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you are listening to a podcast. Please rate and review the show. It will help us to be found online and to build up an appetite for Italian food. Share with your friends too. You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in this episode description. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. And now, let's start! Ciao! My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia. I am a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now through my cookbooks and my blog, juicekitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow Cooking with an Italian Accent. Welcome to Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode 7. Today's theme is vegetarian vegan and gluten-free food and recipes in Tuscan cuisine. Nowadays, the Fiorentina, the Florentine beef rib stack, is considered an emblematic dish of the Tuscan cuisine. It is actually original from Maremma. It is a typical food of Bovari, which are our cowboys, who chose for themselves the most valuable piece. From there, from Maremma, it was later brought to Florence, where it took the present name that elects it as a representative food of the region. But believe me, there is much more than this. If you follow a vegetarian or vegan diet, and if you are going to visit Tuscany soon, don't worry, there are plenty of choices for you. And now I'm going to tell you something about all the dishes that are either vegan or vegetarian. Let's start with there is a deep-rooted love for beans and pulses in general. We love beans here in Tuscany. Just imagine that Florentine people are often called mangiafagioli, bean eaters. Bean can be a source of pride and identity. Think about the ribollita. Ribollita is a dish that many Florentines would proudly fight for. It is the quintessential Tuscan winter food. It shows the imaginative use of stale bread. Testifies our love for beans, as this soup is promoted to main course and not a simple side dish. It gives the cavolo nero, the Tuscan kale, a chance to shine through as traditional winter green, but mostly it comforts you as a soft blanket. One of the main ingredients of ribollita are beans. 
the cannellini beans very often. In my family, beans and chickpeas are also part of the encoded traditions passed on from generation to generation. There are rules, rules that must be respected, which call for rosemary with chickpeas and sage with beans. Don't you dare cook them differently. So you will find some rosemary needles floating in our passato di ceci, which is a velvety and comforting chickpea soup, while you will find few crisp sage leaves that will match beans and sausages in a traditional winter dish, fagioli all'uccelletto. But of course, the fagioli all'uccelletto can be made also without the sausages. Either their name, fagioli all'uccelletto, refers to the habit of cooking the beans just like the uccelletti, the tiny birds. So it's sage and garlic. Our love for beans goes hand in hand with our love for seasonal vegetables and our respect for day-old bread. So let me name two more recipes that are vegan and so, so traditional, so typical of our cuisine and our culture. And one, by the way, is also my favorite comfort food. I'm of course talking about pappa al pomodoro, which is a tomato bread soup. The ingredients of this soup are extra virgin olive oil, garlic. I prefer to use fresh tomatoes and peel them directly when I need to use them. Stale bread, salt, and sometimes chili pepper. So as you can see from the ingredients, this is a very simple, it is a very traditional vegan recipe. So we do not need to veganize it. It's already perfect for everyone. You cook the peeled tomatoes with garlic and your best extra virgin olive oil for about 10 minutes. And of course, now you need the stale bread, our Tuscan stale bread. You soak it in water, then you squeeze it and crumble it into the tomato. Then you whip everything together. You have to whip it, not just stir it, because you want a creamy texture. Salt and a few basil leaves and a lot of extra virgin olive oil. And this soup is ready. The other recipe is a panzanella. Panzanella is again made with stale bread, with day-old bread. But it is not a soup, it's a salad. So it is actually a tomato bread salad. You soak the bread in water, then you squeeze it and you crumble it in a big bowl. Then you add seasonal summer vegetables. You can add tomatoes, cucumbers, very thinly sliced red onion, lots of basil leaves, extra virgin olive oil, salt, pepper, and a little bit of vinegar. It's a very refreshing summer recipe and it's vegan. It is naturally vegan. Season by season, there are also more recipes that see vegetables as the star of the dish. Think about spaghetti al pomodoro. So very simple spaghetti dressed with the most delicious tomato sauce. Every family has a different recipe for this tomato sauce. It can be called passata when it's just simply tomato. It can be called pomarola when the tomatoes are cooked with carrot, celery and onion. And of course, extra virgin olive oil. And you can just chop the raw tomatoes and season with the pasta with that. So there are endless recipes for a pasta al pomodoro, spaghetti al pomodoro, but they are all equally delicious, as long as you use ripe tomatoes that have been under the sun of the summer. Then think about minestrone. Minestrone is a typical vegetable soup. It's delicious with pesto, if you want to add a spoon of that, but usually it's made with seasonal vegetables. It can be thickened with some beans or it can be thickened with a mashed potato. 
Then think about all the vegetable flans that we call sformati. You can have a sformato di spinaci, a sformato di carciofi, sformato di fagiolini. So it's a spinach flan, an artichoke flan, a green bean flan. You cook the vegetables and you usually mix them either with bechamel sauce or ricotta. And then you um, just put them in a tray and sprinkle some breadcrumbs on top and then bake them. They are crisp on the outside, very soft and creamy inside. They are born as a side dish, but of course, they can be a main course. There is also another fun recipe that is called frittata trippata. It is a vegetarian recipe, even though it looks like trippa, tripe. It is a Tuscan omelette, a frittata, which is sliced very thinly and stewed in tomato sauce. It is one of those peasant dishes easily recognizable for their poor ingredients. Uh, They have just seasonal products, simple cooking, imagination and creativity. It is made with two common ingredients, which are the cornerstones of this approach to food. Eggs and tomatoes. Eggs were used to give the needed proteins and fat to face hard working day. But instead of being served as a simple omelette or as a fried egg, they resemble the trippa alla Fiorentina. Frittate, which is omelette, are a staple dish in the Tuscan countryside, as every household used to raise chicken in the backyard. So this meant fresh eggs, a good broth in the cold days, and once in a while, a Sunday roast chicken with potatoes. The variety of frittate is almost countless, and it depends highly on the season. So you can have a frittata with fried artichokes, you can have a frittata with forage herbs, or with green tomatoes in summer, or with squash in the colder months. In Siena, a typical frittata is made with breadcrumbs. This is another creative use of leftover bread. And now, let's talk about gluten-free. When it comes to gluten-free, it is slightly more difficult to find recipes which are naturally gluten-free. As you know, we worship bread. But do not despair, as there are still many options And if you travel in Tuscany, there are many, many restaurants that offer you a gluten-free version of recipes or options. There are pizzerias with gluten-free pizza. There are bakeries with gluten-free pastries, but also ice cream shops where you can find gluten-free gelato. So be prepared to eat all that you want because you will find all the options that you need for you. So some of the recipes that are naturally gluten-free are polenta and risotto, to name two. Even though they are not strictly related to Tuscan cuisine, they are still quite common in restaurants, trattorie and households. We love to make our risotto with the seasonal vegetables. And we like polenta with a rich wild boar sauce. All the bean and chickpea soup, they are gluten-free, provided you do not add bread croutons. And definitely... Many of the meat dishes, as we tend to be quite straightforward in our cooking. Less sauces means less strange ingredients added. And so when you order a Fiorentina, you can be sure that that is just meat. But there are two recipes that I always love to mention and cook during my cooking classes. They are steeped in traditions, yet they are naturally gluten-free and vegan. The first one is the castagnaccio. Castagna is chestnut. Castagnaccio is a Tuscan chestnut cake. If you want to bake a good castagnaccio, well, you exclusively need to buy a good flour. 
as you do not add sugar to the butter. You do not add other ingredients, but chestnut flour and water. And of course, you will have some raisins and pine nuts and rosemary and olive oil, but the basic ingredients are chestnut flour and water. The chestnut flour has to be sweet and tasty on its own. And that's the reason why it is known also as farina dolce, sweet flour. Try to pinch a little bit of flour, put it on your tongue and let it melt. You will taste the sweetness of chestnuts. There's a paradox of the chestnut flour. In the past, chestnut flour used to be the flour for those who could not afford wheat flour. The people living in the mountains of Tuscany, in the Appennino Tosco Emiliano, in Mugello, in Amiata, they could not afford wheat flour. So they would dry the chestnuts in the woods and they would grind them into a flour. The flour could be used for bread, polenta, pasta, biscotti, and of course for the castagnaccio. Of course, in some of these recipes, chestnut flour cannot be used on its own. It is always mixed with some wheat flour. For example, in the pasta, in the bread, or in the biscotti. But in other recipes, like in the castagnaccio and in the polenta, chestnut flour is 100% gluten-free. So in the past, this was the flour of poor people, we can say. Nowadays, to buy a good chestnut flour, possibly local and organic, it is extremely expensive. So let's say you pay it five times the cost of a good wheat flour. There's another recipe which is typically made with chestnut flour and it's gluten-free and it's called nechi. Nechi are thin pancakes made just with chestnut flour and water. They can be eaten with savory ingredients like a fried egg or pancetta or a sausage and with those savory ingredients they become dinner. Or this nechi can be eaten as a merenda an afternoon snack, if you fill them with some fresh ricotta. You don't even need sugar because the chestnut flour is slightly sweet on its own. But if you like, you can add a few chips of chocolate. Another recipe that I truly, truly love is torta di ceci or cecina. It's a chickpea cake. It is also known as farinata in Genova or socca in Nice. The Tuscan cecina is made with chickpea flour and water, then salt and a little bit of olive oil. It is then baked in wood-burning oven in large copper pans until it's crisp on the outside and soft inside. There's a similar recipe in Sicily. It is called panelle. It is not baked. It is a kind of polenta of chickpea flour, which is then spread very thin, cut and fried. And it is usually eaten in a bread roll with some lemon slices. And there's also another similar recipe made with chickpea flour in Morocco. So what we can notice is that in the whole Mediterranean area, there are similar recipes that use chickpea flour. And they always belong to cities that are also big ports. What can we understand from this? In the past, the sailors would need cheap proteins for their travels in the sea. They could not bring meat with them because the meat after a few days uh, would be rotten on the ship. But they could use chickpea flour because that could be stocked on a ship for months and they just needed some water to prepare a good meal. In Tuscany, this chickpea cake is called torta di ceci or simply torta in Livorno. While if you go to Pisa, you will find it as 
Cecina. So you have to know that Pisa and Livorno, they hate each other. It, it often happens in Tuscany with neighboring cities. So if you go to Livorno and if you ask for Cecina, they will tell you, if you want the Cecina, go to Pisa, because we have just torta. In Livorno, it is also called Cinque e Cinque, which means five and five, because it is a street food. And in the past, you could eat five cents of bread and five cents of chickpea cake. Nowadays, you can order that, so the chickpea cake sandwich in between bread with some grilled eggplants, which are so full and rich in garlic and so delicious. But you can also have the plain torta if you're looking for a gluten-free recipe. Speaking of gluten-free recipes, have a look at Artusi's book, The Science in the Kitchen and the Art of Eating Well. There are so many recipes that are naturally gluten-free. Pellegrino Artusi uses ingredients just like potato starch, rice flour, almonds, to be ground with care and patience in a mortar until they reach the consistency of a delicate powder. He is ahead of his time. He chose for his book recipes that today, after more than a hundred years, perfectly embody the contemporary spirit. This is what happens with classics. They never cease to amaze. They have always a contemporary appeal. In his book, you can find alternative flowers that will satisfy even those who present intolerance to gluten. A few simple ingredients that do not overweigh the preparation. A very modern and fresh taste. Cakes that are not too sweet. Sometimes you look everywhere to find inspiration. And it's there, in the book that my grandmother received as a wedding gift on the day she got married. The same book that we browse together every time we need to check a recipe or a procedure. On the blog, you can find a recipe for Artusi's potato cake, which is made with a mashed boiled potato with almonds, butter and eggs. And then you can find a recipe for pasta margherita. It is not a bowl of pasta, it is a cake. It is soft and light as the best sponge cakes and it has a very distinctive lemon taste. Word of the day. Learn the Italian language of food word after word. Every year, more than 200 people join our cooking classes. Speaking with them, I made a small dictionary of important words and pronunciations that can help you navigate through the immense world of Italian food. So if you love Italian language as much as you love Italian cooking, these are a few words that can be useful for you. Today's word is frittata. Frittata is the Italian omelette. It is similar to another word, friggere, a verb, which means to fry. For us, a frittata, an omelette, is preferably dinner or lunch, a quick meal to eat with some bread and vegetables. It is very rare to find a frittata for breakfast. This is the end of the seventh episode of our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. I'd love to hear from you. Which is your favorite Italian or Tuscan vegetarian recipe or vegan? And speaking of gluten-free, have you ever used chestnut flour as an ingredient? Or what about the chickpea flour? If you have questions about Italian and Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group, Cooking with Jules Kitchen. I'll answer your questions at the end of each episode. Thanks for listening to Cooking with an Italian Accent. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you are listening to a podcast. Rate and review the show. 
it will help us to be found online and build up our appetite for Italian food. Share with your friends too! You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in this episode description. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao!